Good morning and welcome to another episode of A Cup of Coffee with Bill. Excited today to welcome David Newman, ticket sales manager for the LA Angels. Uh, he's having a good day today after some news that came out. I'll let him uh, share more about that related to the MLB uh, All-Star Game and uh, home run derby, but David, welcome to the show and excited to just talk about ticket sales, what you've been up to and where you guys are at right now with the Angels. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. And as you mentioned, some great news in Angel Land. Uh, Otani is killing it this year and we found out he's going to be participating in the home run derby and his home runs go far enough already, but just to think about how we'll do in course with the, uh, the thin atmosphere. Uh, I, you know, he's going to hit some 500 footers over there. So very excited to see him out there and uh, hopefully he can bring home a, a crown for us. And, and he's correct me if I'm wrong. I think I saw that on TV. He's the first player in league history to ever be named on both sides to the all-star game on both sides of the field or yeah. uh, in two different positions rather. Yeah. The, it feels like every day he's breaking a new record or setting a new first ever, you know, type of type of thing. So it's hard to keep track of all of them, but um, it's just, it's amazing what he's doing on the field this year. And we just hope he can keep it up and stay healthy and uh, continue to uh, move us in the right direction. Great. And we'll, we'll get to more of that later because I just had something in mind from my um, days selling baseball tickets. Uh, so we'll keep that in mind, but just to get us started, can you give us a brief introduction to yourself and your background and what you do with the Angels? Sure. So I've been working in professional baseball for about 10 years now. I started in the minor leagues out in uh, Las Vegas with a AAA baseball team. Uh, I did my inside sales at the Dodgers. Uh, from there, I took a year out, went to Ohio University and received my um, graduate degree in sports administration. And then I spent three years with the Oakland A's, uh, the first two selling full menu, group suites, season tickets, mini plans. Uh, the third was in a management role, managing inside sales. Then I made the move to the Angels about five years ago, where I've been continuing to manage inside sales and more recently um, also taking over the groups, uh, group side of the business as well. So uh, overseeing our you know, entry-level sales team, training, developing, coaching, uh, as well as driving our business on the group side. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so I don't want to make, feel like we're far enough out of, and mind you, we're still in a pandemic, but I don't want to make this conversation all about that. So ju just to start, we'll get into that a little bit, but just to start, uh, obviously during the pandemic, everybody had some struggles from an organizational perspective because you can't have a, a full staff um, doing uh, doing what you normally do when you're at partial capacity, you're not even playing at certain times. Um, talk to me about how you're managing your team and working around that, because it is a very difficult situation to keep people motivated and having those same conversations just to check in with your season ticket holders and your clients just hey, we know we want to get out there as bad as you. And it's just the same conversation over and over again, I'm sure is very grating and demoralizing after a while. How, how are you approaching your staff, you know, four or five months ago when uh, you see a little bit of light on the horizon, but you're still not able to go out and be, you know, hey, I know, you know, we've got games next week. Bye, bye, bye. Uh, how are you approaching that from a management perspective to keep everybody engage for when the time actually came? Sure. 
Yeah, no question. Everyone's job changed significantly um, in the last, you know, last year or so. And like all the teams out there, you know, we had a lot of, um, you know, furloughs and uh, operating with reduced staff. So since October, we've been, we've had about 20, 25% of our staff uh, still, you know, expected to drive, drive revenue and have all the conversations and answer all the questions just like before. So I think first and foremost is just kind of leveling with the team that, hey, listen, this is uncharted territory. You know, we're, we're going to do the best we can and, you know, control what we can control. But at the same time, we don't know what next month is going to bring, what two months are going to bring. You know, for a while, we didn't even know if we were going to have fans in the building for opening day. So, uh, you know, I think you want to be a little more lenient with people. There's a lot of things going on and just, you know, do, do some kind of reality check-ins. Just, hey, work aside, how are you doing? You know, yeah. are, are you, how's your family? How's everything going? I, I just think you have to be more of a, you know, more of a, just a, a mentor and, and friend and less of a boss in, in these times. So I think, you know, people respond to that. And I think you're going to get the best out of people if they feel like you really do care about them and really do kind of want what's best for them. Even if that means at times, you know, hey, listen, it's Friday at three o'clock. We've been grinding this thing out all week. Why don't you, you know, take, take off a couple hours early and, um, you know, let's get refreshed for next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, from, my background when I was still on the nonprofit side, a lot of those same phone calls with donors shifted to not shifted from, Hey, the walk is we've, we've got our walk date. We're still going on as planned. Uh, can we count on your donation to how are you doing? How's your family doing? What can we do to help? And, you know, like we said earlier, when you're doing that 20, 30 times a day and you know, you're not going to get, uh, much, if anywhere, against the metrics that you're being uh, you're being guided on or judged on within your role, uh, but knowing that those numbers are still hanging over you, uh, it can be it can be tough. So I, I'm glad to hear you say that, and I'm glad you know, it sounds like, um, for the most part, outside of just it, it's never going to be a perfect situation that things um, things went as well as they could have, and obviously now we're. You know, we're 100% and we're having a great time out at the different events and at the ballpark. Um, how, how did you adapt? You know, smaller, smaller teams now, uh, more nimble, more agile. How, how did you adapt your, your sales teams to this new era in the industry? And what if you've got some successes or maybe some good, good stories to share about how that's been working out for you compared to the older model? Uh, love to hear it. Sure. So first and foremost, just our team was incredibly nimble and incredibly flexible. Uh, we, you know, with, within that 25% or so of staff that we had back, it was a, you know, a few people in each department and premium and groups and business development, inside sales, client services, but really everyone was doing everything as needed. You know, there was a time where the entire staff were, were we were client service representatives for two weeks while we did a whole receipt for our season ticket holders. Uh, from there, we pivoted and we, you know, we started working on mini plan holders, and then we went on sale with suites. So just everyone was doing a little bit of everything uh, for, for the longest time. But uh, now that we're at full capacity, and we have been for a little bit, um, you know, we look back at kind of how, how we managed through partial capacity and uncertainty and all that, and how we kind of handled specific products, uh, knowing that we just didn't have the resources to throw at them like we had in the past. Um, suites is, is a really good example. Uh, once we found out we could have fans at opening day, uh, we also found out that we could have suites at a limited capacity. So 
So it would be instead of up to 18 people, we would have suites for only six people. So a couple couple thoughts on that. First of all, that we found out that really opened up a whole new market to us. Where in the past, a you know, family or you know a couple of buddies wanted to get together and bring their kids out, a suite for 18 would be out of reach. But all of a sudden, doing a suite for six people at such a reduced price was a lot more realistic for, for people like that. So we, we kind of discovered this entirely new market for mm-hmm. that product. And we're actually, now that we're, even though we're at full capacity, we still have a handful of our suites that we are offering for as few as six people um, as a way okay. to kind of get people to try the product out and um, you know, move some inventory on games that we may not you know, be confident we're gonna move every single suite in the building. So that's something we learned that we're gonna continue to, to move forward with. Another thing we did on the suite side is we started to sell suites online. We had never done that in the past, and suites are a relatively complex product where there's moving parts, there's food, there's parking. If someone were to buy online, they might not necessarily know what they're getting, and that was kind of our fear. But with such a limited staff and so many uh, units that we were we were up against moving, uh, we made the decision to put our suites for sale online. We kept it as simple as we could, buy a six-person suite or buy a 12-person suite, and we sold hundreds, hundreds of suites. And it, there was no possible way we would have moved that volume without you know, the help of the online channel. So we, uh, we set up our system where they'd get an automated email every time they bought a suite online. It would have kind of the frequently asked questions, some assurances on kind of what they bought, uh, just kind of the general questions we would get because we didn't have the time or the resources to, you know, to handle all those calls. We did our best to follow up with a phone call uh, to each one as well and just say, hey, we, thanks for buying your suite. Uh, I'm here if you need anything, you know, here's kind of the basics on what you got. Uh, and that way we could also engage with these, these clients and potentially upsell them. You know, maybe they bought a location down the line, but they didn't know we had one right behind home plate or they didn't know we had a, a bigger option with more tickets. So we definitely wanted to make sure to, um, to maximize those where we could, but just by sheer volume, uh, it was a huge success and something we're, we're continuing to do uh, even with, you know, kind of things looking, looking as up as they have in a long time. And I imagine going back to what you said about trying to upsell and offer some different things out of the menu. I mean, that, that had to have been a goldmine in terms of some new data that you might not have been getting from someone, like you said, otherwise that it might've just been two buddies and their four kids who wanted to do something different for a ball game, but they're normally buying bleacher seats. Uh, it had, had to have been great for you guys, right? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it just, all these people now we know have have experienced our product, have experienced a suite, and uh, they know what it's like now. And it just it gives us a lot more ability to market to them, to reach out to them, to you know, if we have a, a special deal on suites down the line, or if we have a you know twelve person suite right behind on plate, we just have all these new people that we can reach out to and uh, you know try to uh, get them a little bit more involved, or maybe do multiple games too, do a five game plan or a ten game plan. So it definitely is a big boost for our premium side. Interesting. And I, I don't overreach, but when we were setting this conversation up, um, you know, I reached out to you at probably not the most opportune time as you're gearing up for, I think initially you're, you were allowed to have 15% capacity um, at the beginning of the season. Is that right? Yeah, it's a little bit of a moving target. We, we found out uh, in early March, I believe about a month before our home opener that we, we would open up at 20% capacity. So about okay. 9,000 fans. So we were pretty, uh, that left us scrambling to take care of our full season ticket holders, uh, do what we could for our mini plan holders and go on sale with single game tickets in a very, very limited time. Um, and then we found out actually about 48 hours before opening day 
oh, you know what? Actually, we're going to go to 33% capacity. So that's what I was going to ask you. Like, very last minute too. There was no time to, you know, to, to really do a whole lot. So we basically just put 5,000 single game tickets online and marketed it as, as best we could. And uh, fortunately we did, we did sell, uh, sell out for opening day and uh, the, the subsequent games were pretty good, but uh, we were at 33% capacity for, for a while. And then uh, around mid June shifted to full capacity. And so I, I was just interested to hear because I remember as we were swapping notes, you were like, yeah, we were originally only allowed 9,000 and then I've got to also now sell an additional 5,000 tickets in uh, two days for opening day. And I didn't think it would be that big of an issue, but uh, I was just curious what that process was like. And it sounds like it was just getting them online at, uh, you know, and marketing, like you said, as best you could. What, what was the fan response? Um, obviously, it had to have been a very excited one, a very happy one when you find out suddenly that you might be able to go to opening day after not being able to attend a baseball game for a, a year. What was the fan response when you're able to get uh, that many people back in that early in the season? Yeah, it was tremendous. I mean, you think about our, our building, we hold 45,000. So at 20%, we were at about 9,000 tickets. You, know, you always have your, you know, your comps for players, for internal stakeholders, for corporate, all that stuff. And then you talk about your season seat holders, which we're, we're fortunate to have a pretty good season seat holder base. So it really didn't leave a whole lot of tickets, even for mini plan holders, you know, let alone for people just buying single game. So for most people, the options were uh, either watch at home or go to the secondary market and pay an astronomical amount. Uh, so once we got that, that last minute uh, addition of tickets, uh, they, were all, they were all up on the upper deck because we had already saturated the lower bowl as, as much as we could with social distancing. So the price points were affordable and uh, yeah, it was just, it was great. All the people that had been really feeling like they were going to miss out all of a sudden had had an option to grab a seat for 30 bucks and, mm -hmm. uh, and come out, you know, the very next day to, to uh, watch a good win for us. That's, that's great. Uh, but on, on the same token, let's talk a little bit about how, and go, again, going back to managing your staff through some of that uncertainty earlier in, in it, but as you're looking at, you know, 9,000 and 14,000 fans in the stadium, obviously that leaves some people, like you said, mini plan holders, uh, people that have been going to the ballpark for years, they, they might not have been able to get in. And you've obviously got people on your team dealing with that frustration and that disappointment. How, what is the coaching and how are you helping navigate those waters? Because I've been on, not necessarily on that end of it, but you know, through rainouts and managing double headers to factor in the rainout makeup game and people that can't get to that game, but they want to go to another game and it gets tricky. How are you coaching your staff to try to keep people engaged when they could very well take their ball and go home because, you know, for forces beyond your control, they can't get into the ballpark for another month or two. Right. It's, it's tough. You know, there's no real blueprint or no, you know, as I look through my training materials, I don't have a chapter on this. So, you know, you just, uh, you know, just knowing how we as an organization handled it, I, I am very grateful that we did right by our clients where we could. Um, anyone that asked for a refund the entire time, we, we gave them a refund. We didn't want, you know, to, people to feel like we were holding their money when so many people were out of work or, you know, in, in much, much worse situations. So, you know, I would just kind of let my staff know that, hey, listen, we're we're doing right by these clients and they might not necessarily 
see it, they might not necessarily understand the bigger picture of, you know, why we're not able to accommodate them. So I think at times it, it does make sense to dive into a little more detail with someone and, and on the phone, just explain, hey, listen, you know, you're a mini plan holder, but, you know, we have these commitments to our full season ticket holders. You know, we, we have to take care of them first. And I understand that's, um, you know, might leave some other people out, but, you know, if you were a full season ticket holder, how would you feel if, you know, a 10 game plan holder got seats before you? So just kind of having those conversations and just helping people realize exactly how we're thinking about it. What step-by-step -step process are we going through to allocate the limited seats that we have? And not everyone is going to understand, but I think if you put your best foot out there and just help them kind of realize that, hey, we're not, we're, we're not doing this to try to screw anyone over. Mm -hmm. We have very limited inventory. We have a lot of difficult constraints that we're under that, by the way, we don't want to be under. You know, we're, we're doing this because it's, you know, it's, it's mandated and it's necessary. Right. Um, and, you know, we're, we're going to do the best we can to take care of you based on the limited constraints that we have. And if that means we can't get you out for opening day, but we can get you out for a bobblehead or whatever the case may be, you know, we'll, we'll do the best we can. And we, we hope that that, uh, you know, that you understand and hang in there with us until we can get back to a better situation. It, it seems in having some other conversations, not necessarily in the, the ticketing realm, uh, that across the board, people in our industry have drop some of the artifice about conversations and they've been able to be a little bit more honest and upfront with people, no matter who they're talking to, whether it's a colleague, a, a customer, uh, anybody, they're able to be a little bit more real having those conversations and they don't have to guard themselves because uh, we've been through the ringer. Uh, you might as well just tell them the truth and we get on with our day. Uh, so it's interesting to hear you say that, especially in the ticketing realm where uh, at least coming from my experience, but, knowing some what some other folks have been through in our our circles that that's not normally how you approach some of those uh some of those things but just to showcase how different uh a situation this was for um, people in our field um so done with the pandemic now you know we're we're in a great spot and um when talking about shohei otani and what uh you know, what that's brought to the team. Uh, think back to situations and, you know, we kind of discussed it with one of your other stars and Mike Trout, and, you know, he's dealing with some injuries right now. Share just a little bit how you're approaching, especially with maybe some younger reps who haven't been around the block uh, as long as you have, or some other people on your staff have um, about how to navigate. Obviously you want to highlight these stars on the team and use that as a selling point. But in some cases, you know, I think back, I told you before we started recording, I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. Uh, it's been a very difficult road for me most of my life. Uh, you know, and I think when Ken Griffey Jr. came back home, as we like to say, uh, he spent most of his time in Cincinnati hurt. And that's just the nature of sports. Sometimes that's going to happen. Uh, so you can't always rely on pitching star power to move product. Talk through just at a high level how you're coaching some of these younger reps to not always lean on star power because that can be a very comfortable thing to be talking to somebody about, but when that goes away, if they're not ready for it, that can be a very difficult conversation with somebody when you can't say, hey, do you wanna go see more home runs in a game by one player than you've seen in your lifetime? Come on over. Uh, how, how do you go about that and get them prepared for those scenarios? Sure. So every fan comes out for a different reason. And 
while star power might be enticing to people like you and I who are you know closely associated with the sports world, it's not necessarily the driving force you know behind the decisions that other people are making to come out the game. So uh, you can never rely on team performance. In fact, in the the five years I've been here and um, uh, much of my time in Oakland, our team was not competitive, uh, unfortunately. So you know I, I think if you're going to be in this business and learn to be successful in this business, you might come into a good situation where team is winning, but sooner or later, you're going to work for a team or you're going to sell for a team that's on the opposite end of the spectrum. Right. So what, uh, in my opinion, what you want to do is just is sell the experience, um, the experience of coming out to the ballpark. If you start talking too much about wins and losses, then, you know, you're going to ride that wave of, you know, when we're winning, things are great. When you're losing, things are, things are bad, but I always want to teach and train my staff to sell independent of what's going on on the field. And that doesn't mean if we're winning, we're not going to mention it and make a big deal out of it. Right, right, exactly. Certainly we will. But, you know, in terms of our, our, you know, our sales tactics and our sales approach and how we're going about our business and, you know, the, just the, how we attack our campaigns, we're doing so really independent of, of team performance. And that's where, where I thought you would go with it. But I just, I find that interesting, especially when you have somebody as magnetic as Otani on the team, uh, paired with one of the other superstars of our generation and Mike Trout, uh, you know, when things go wrong and how, how to navigate that and selling the full idea of what baseball is, whether it's the memories there or just different parts of the atmosphere that aren't necessarily on the field. Um, and just uh, a, a random question along those lines uh, love to get your thoughts on the shift to electronic ticketing and the fan experience. Another conversation I had, and I, I'm still this way personally, is I like having the hard ticket. I like having this little piece of memorabilia that sits, you know, I've got most of my concert tickets. I'm a big fish fan, as you can, you can see on my walls sometimes. Um, you know, I like having those tickets to look back and I can point to one and it'd be like, I remember that show because of this run of songs here. And I went to, went to it with these friends and I met this guy here that I still talk to, uh, five years later. Uh, what are your thoughts, um, from a fan's perspective, from a seller's perspective on how to manage the experience when we start to remove, uh, little pieces like that, that we've all become accustomed to over our lifetime? Sure. So yeah, digital tickets are definitely a hot topic and have been for, for several years. We introduced them, or we really started pushing them, I'd say about two or three years ago, mm-hmm. but we didn't really mandate anything. So the pandemic, in some ways, you know, I, I've had this conversation with some of my reps. It, 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 in some ways, it gave us a little bit of an excuse to right. push digital tickets because it's, you know, health and safety, the ticket takers, and uh, it, it just became, you know, everything is is it was digital this year and, and continues to be. So uh, in some ways, we did get a little bit of help kind of pushing that initiative uh, from the pandemic. But um, at the same time, we realized that there are going to be a certain segment of our fan base that just digital tickets are not going to work for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some longtime season seat holders that have been with us since you know 1966, our first year. And uh, for them, it's like they're so used to having these tickets. They have these memory scrapbooks. And you know, like you mentioned, that just the just the memories associated with with the ticket. So ultimately, while we're very strongly encouraging the mobile ticketing, we did make the decision for our full season ticket holders to uh, give them an option for printed tickets. So we did add a, uh, a charge for it. We want to mm-hmm. encourage people to try mobile, but we want to give them the option for digital. 
And then for other products, you know, for groups, for example, what happens when you have a group of, you know, second graders that are coming out for a, a camp day in the middle of the week? Are you going to make them all get smartphones and load up the app and have the teacher board out, you know, a couple hundred tickets? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Um, retirement communities, are you going to have a bunch of, you know, um, elderly people that may not be as familiar technologically? Uh, are you going to insist that they do that or, or walk away from the business? So, you know, there are little cases here and there where we still are going, uh, going hard tickets, but we're very much encouraging people to, um, to adopt the digital. It just, it's, it's cleaner. It's one of those things where, of course, the first time you try anything, you know, yeah, it's going to be unfamiliar. It's going to be, you know, a little bit clunkier than just having a ticket in your hand. But uh, for most people, I mean, we're, we're getting a very, uh, a very strong rate of people entering our ballpark with digital tickets. And sure, we do get calls with questions and whatnot, but we also get a lot of people that come into the ballpark and are like, oh, okay, that wasn't so bad. So I think on our end, we're just doing our best to educate people, to offer them resources, to have help here at the ballpark and have, you know, uh, some of my staff manning the phones to help when, when questions come up too, just to really ease that transition. And our hope is that as people get more acclimated to it, especially this year, uh, that moving forward, it'll be you know much more simpler and uh, just something that isn't, uh, isn't as big of a shift anymore. Right. And then the work comes to what, what is replacing it? What is the new memento that you can put on the shelf and look at um, whether it is a, a baseball, whether, the, whether it is the game day program, uh, some of the other options, not, not necessarily landing on one side of the fence or the other with it. Um, you know, I think this year, especially it, it necessitated the shift towards it, whether uh, a team or a league sticks with it um, from now on, or if it's, up to the individual uh, properties, whether they want to go all digital or a hybrid model. Uh, just an, an interesting thing as we start coming out into uh, a more normal environment, what what sticks and ultimately the fan experience around that. Uh, so appreciate, appreciate your thoughts on that. Um, so just a couple more questions and we'll get you on your way just so we can get to know uh, David Newman, the professional, a little bit better. Uh, so the first one I want to ask you is what is the, your favorite or the best professional oriented book that you've read that you've found uh, yourself referencing back on if it's been a few years or that you think about and, uh, you know, it's been just a great benefit to you as you've moved on in your career? I'd say the one that has been most influential to me is a book called The Challenger Sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit, little bit older. I'm sure there are some newer kind of shinier books out there, but um, this book really helped me understand that, you know, it, it's okay to not be like the nicest person. You know, it's okay to challenge the people that you're talking to on the phone. You always want to be respectful and you always want to be, you know, kind and, and understanding. But if you just, you know, there are times where you have to kind of challenge their thinking a little bit because if right. the prospect thought that buying season tickets was a good idea, they would have done it already. If they thought that buying a suite was a good idea, they would have done it already. So your job as a sales rep is to uh, challenge their thinking a little bit at times and, um, you know, present them with new information that could help uh, help sway them a little bit. And first and foremost, understand where they're coming from and what's important to them uh, so that you can you know, then uh, you know, progress from there in, in, a, in a way that can be convincing. So uh, it, it was it kind of opened my eyes a little bit to like, oh, yeah, you don't have to be just super nice and agreeable. And if someone says they'll call you back. OK, no problem. It's like it's OK to be a little bit more assertive. Mm-hmm. And I think that book has really uh, influenced my sales style and also the way that I train my staff. 
Yeah, that I, I need, I'm due to go back and uh, brush myself up on it, but I did, and similar to you, I did find that being one of the more influential books in my career, specific to sales, just uh, in terms of how it made me reframe conversations uh, in sponsor in the sponsorship space. And you know, I'd argue that because of that book, I was able to cement or at least uh, make some relationships throughout my career that were on the more contentious side, just by the nature of the person across the table from me, um, because I was able to confidently reframe how they were looking at a situation or a pitch and, you know, the, or the property I was representing, uh, you know, really turned into more of a, a give and take and a beneficial relationship than what it used to be. So I love that you brought that up. It's a great book and sales reps, young and old, uh, really get a lot out of that one. Uh, so good call on the challenger sale. Uh, next one, who are you following? And this can be an influencer, a thought leader, basically anybody that if they hit tweet, if they post it on Instagram, send an email newsletter, you've consumed it, you're reacting to it, you're posting something about it. Uh, just anybody that comes to mind. Yeah, two, two people come to mind. Uh, number one, Brett Zalaski over at uh, the company called ISBI 360. They're doing some really interesting things in the industry these days where you know, a lot of teams are short staffed and reluctant to hire, uh, but they have, uh, they're basically hiring a bunch of reps and then teams will come to them and basically outsource. Um, you can hire reps to you know, handle a specific campaign for you, and, but they, you don't necessarily have to hire them directly onto the team. You just contract them essentially. Okay. So, um, you know, Brett uh, uh, you know, was a sales trainer in the, in the past and uh, was someone that had some influence on me when I was you know, first getting my wings under me at, uh, up in Oakland. Um, so I want to give, give them a shout out. And then the other is uh, Bob Hamer over at Sports Business Solutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob's a, g- a good friend of mine and um, someone that we bring in every year at the Angels to help train and, and coach our staff and just uh, continue to um, you know, uh, develop uh, everyone over here. Um, so, you know, he's done some great things in the industry and I'm uh, very appreciative of our partnership and someone that I always, uh, when he posts something or has an article, uh, usually I'm, I'm one of the first ones to read it. And very familiar with, uh, Bob and SBS. I mean, it's a, it's a great resource for people in our industry. And I find, um, especially over the last year, there's been a, a great amount of information about how to navigate some of the stuff that we've been talking about. Uh, so another good one there. And then last question, and we'll send you on your way. What do you have your eye on over the next three months? Say for us now, it, it, now that we're back to full capacity, it comes down to uh, how we want to kind of craft our, our team um, and, and build up our sales team again. So we're still operating at, you know, 25, 30% capacity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're starting to open things up a little bit. We're starting to hire more. And we're, we're having to make some tough decisions on, you know, how many do we want in each, in each department? Um, you know, right now our focus is on group sales, but, you know, in a few months, we're going to turn our attention back to, you know, season ticket renewals and whatnot. So I think for me, um, what I'm kind of most interested in over the next few months is just how we're going to really start to put these pieces back together and get ourselves back with, um, you know, to a, a staffing level that we can be more proactive and get out there and initiate campaigns as opposed to just reacting to everything uh, coming into us, but uh, it's it's exciting. You know, it's always fun to to expand and to bring more people on board and to go through onboarding and training. And uh, it's uh, it's going to be an exciting few months, that's for sure. Yeah, it seems it seems like a lot of people that I'm talking to in the industry right now um, 
agility and nimbleness are the name of the game as they are getting back to that hundred percent staffing, um, staffing level. Uh, so interested to follow that and hear more about it as, uh, you guys start to solidify, solidify plans and how you go about that process. But David, this has been a great conversation, uh, ticket sales, although not where I'm at in the industry now have a, uh, soft spot in my heart for where I cut my teeth uh, back in the day with the Dayton Dragons in the uh, ticket office. Uh, so great conversation. Glad to hear things are going well for you guys. Uh, looking forward to the home run derby and the all-star game. And uh, you guys will be well represented and probably have a trophy or two that you can tote around the ballpark after that. Uh, so congrats on a great start to the season and uh, hope you enjoyed this conversation. I hope everyone enjoys this and we'll see you next time. Thanks, David. Thanks so much, Bill. Appreciate it. Have a good one.